The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, my beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Savior, Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, the one who is present wherever you are. So I was going to tell you the story that um, I've been to one and only one wild hockey game. It was years ago, and I will admit that I was a little bit horrified at that game because the only time the crowd ever cheered was when the players would look like they were about to fight. And then everybody would start yelling, throw down. I did not grow up around hockey, so I didn't really know what that term throwdown meant. And I leaned over and I asked my friend, why are they yelling this? And she said, the crowd wants the players to throw down their gloves and their hockey sticks and fist fight. This is why I went to one and only one wild hockey game. Now, the other thing I remember from that one professional hockey experience was the anthem. The Minnesota Wild have their own anthem. It's a little bit like your school fight song or the we're gonna win twins, we're gonna score from the professional sport that I do actually watch. The wild anthem is called the state of hockey. And when I heard that song, it sort of got into my ear and I couldn't shake the sense that I had heard it before. Um, do you know what I mean when a song gets into your head, when you hear something and then it's just sort of on the tip of your tongue, like, what does that sound like? Or where have I heard that before? Or how do I know this? And then you just, it just bugs you until you figure it out. Well, I didn't figure it out at that game, and it was some weeks later, and it was in the middle of worship when we were singing the song you have heard today, the Canticle of the Turning. In the middle of that song, I turned to my colleague and I said, that's it. That's the Minnesota Wild song. Now, it isn't. It's actually pretty different, but it does have the sort of same rhythm and tenor as the wild hockey anthem, and it was the connection that my brain had been grasping to make. 
that earworm from a hockey game led me to explore and appreciate this song that is our worship theme for the next several weeks here at Lake Nokomis Lutheran Church. We're going to sing this song and we're going to return to this question together each week. Could the world be about to turn? Now, just to remind you, here's the chorus. It goes like this. My heart shall sing of the day you bring. Let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears for the dawn draws near and the world is about to turn. What is your heart singing? I don't know about you, but the week after we have what we have witnessed in our country, to sing of a God who brings about a day of justice, a God who wipes away the tears of those who are oppressed, a God who is going to turn the world around right again, is a pretty decent anthem for the followers of Jesus. It is the song that has been placed with our, in our hearts to be sung. And so as we expend these few weeks exploring this song, let's think about the anthem that we might sing in our own hearts, in our own lives, about the work that God is doing in our world, in our lives, in our families, and in our faith community. We're going to explore the biblical stories over these next few weeks and during this season that will help us to consider what it looks like when God is turning the world around. And today we start with Jesus' baptism. So we all know baptism. We've been uh, witnessing that ritual uh, for, for our whole lives. But here's how baptism began. There was this cleansing ritual in the first century temple. After certain events or coming into contact with certain things or different activities, you needed to participate in a cleansing ritual in order to be restored to a purified state. So it was a washing. It was very common uh, among this first century group of people. Cleansing with water was a very common practice for God's people to participate in. But then comes John the Baptist, and John is doing something new. He starts washing people in the River Jordan, not because of anything they've come in contact with or what they've um, activity they've done, but this washing is for the forgiveness of sins. And John talked about if you repent, so there was something that you had to do, repent, be washed and be cleaned and forgiven. So this John gave us a whole new way to think about this ritual of washing. But then John didn't stop there. John was pointing to a new kind of baptism as well, that Jesus was coming. And Jesus was going to do something even more new. Maybe we could say Jesus was going to turn the world around because Jesus wasn't going to require repentance or cleaning. Jesus was going to come in with the Holy Spirit and turn everything around. In the Gospel of Mark that we are introduced to today, Jesus comes on the scene, and when Jesus is baptized, it says this, And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending on him like a dove. The heavens were torn apart, torn apart. 
You have to remember that in the first century temple, God was known to be behind this temple curtain. And so the only person who had access to God was the person who could go behind that curtain, which was the high priest. And he could go behind that curtain into the Holy of Holies. And that is the only access that was given to the presence of God. So an ordinary person had to go through a priest who had to go through the high priest who had to go through the curtain to get to God. But here we are told that curtain is torn open, the heavens are torn open, the spirit descends, and all people have access to God. This has tremendous implications for how we understand God at work in the world. Uh, Don Jewell, a professor, a former professor at Luther Seminary, was known to say this, that God is on the loose. When the heavens are torn open in Jesus Christ, God will not stay distant from us. God is not safely hemmed in behind a curtain or up in heaven, waiting in the wings behind the scenes until we are ready. Friends in Christ, this is our anthem. God is on the loose. The Holy Spirit is moving. The world is about to turn. This is what it means that Jesus was born into our world. And so now we have to ask ourselves, what does this mean in our lives, in our homes, in the relationship and the community that we are a part of? I've been thinking about this personally, and I've wondered how I've tried to keep God behind a curtain or hemmed up in the heavens myself. That maybe God is only to me to be found in a church building, or God is only there when it's convenient for me, or God um, is leading, I wonder if I think God is leading and moving me, or if I am just asking God to place a rubber stamp on the decisions I've already made. Now, this year, we were forced out of our church building, and we've been spending much more time at home. We've learned that we don't have to be in a building to experience our God or to hear the gospel or even to serve our neighbor. God is on the loose, and this is our anthem. The world is about to turn. This year, in the middle of a pandemic, we were asked to make changes and decisions and sacrifices to protect the health and the life of our neighbor. Stay home, wear a mask, keep your distance. It wasn't easy. The rules were often confusing and constantly changing. We saw some double down on their efforts on behalf of neighbors, and we saw some others double down on their fight for individual freedom. We've been given this very real opportunity to live out Jesus' law of love. And I've watched this church respond with grace and kindness and generosity. And so God is on the loose, and this is our anthem, the world is about to turn. This year, we've seen political division in our country deepen in ways we could not imagine possible. On Wednesday, we watched this scene unfold at our nation's capital and heard words like insurrection and coup and domestic terrorism and sedition to describe it. Now we turn to the one who is our true authority, 
a protection no human politician can provide, a hope we will not find at the end of an election cycle. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And so we say God is on the loose and this is our anthem. The world is about to turn. If we were gathered together, I think right now I'd ask you to say it with me. God is on the loose. This is our anthem. The world is about to turn. I decided to share this sermon once again from my home because I'm thinking a lot about how we can best sing this anthem and share this song about the world turning. It's easy to point to Washington and to say we need more God on the loose in that place. It's easy to point to the injustices in our own local structures and wonder how leaders there could be changed by more God on the loose among them. It's even easy to point at our church and its staff and council and leadership decisions and say, if only they did that, then we would see and know God on the loose. But I think it starts right here in our homes in our daily lives, in the little decisions we make every day, in our own personal relationships and interactions. When I sit at my dining room table, I can't be help but be reminded of the dining room table where I grew up. It actually looked just like this one. But when my grandma, my mom's mom, would visit us, she and my dad would sit at that dining room table with their cups of coffee, and they would endlessly debate politics. Now, they were on opposite sides, or at least they believed themselves to be on opposite sides of the argument, and they loved to play devil's advocate just for the sake of a better argument. But here's the thing. They deeply loved and respected one another. At the end of the day, they did not walk away from the table with bitterness or hatred or snide remarks. They taught us, not intentionally, but they taught us because we were always listening how to live the love of Jesus for the sake of neighbor. I say today that our anthem of God is on the loose, the world is about to change, starts in our homes because it starts in our hearts, in our closest relationships, because here we are surrounded by the people we love, the opportunity to shape and influence one another, the support and encouragement we need to take steps to pray and to speak and to live and to act as followers of Jesus in this world that we believe, that we want, that we might even demand is about to turn. What if we really lived like that, as if God was on the loose? What if, what if our anthem really is the world is about to turn? What if as you turn the page to this new year, you look for ways to sing with voice and with hands and with heart about a God who is turning the world around and using you to do it? Now, I'm not one for making New Year's resolutions, 
but I do spend quite a bit of time at this time of year reflecting on what has been and wondering about my life and who I am and who I want to be. Perhaps in your reflecting and wondering, you might spend some time with these few questions. What of the past year was life-giving? Or maybe where did I see God on the loose? What do I want to do more of in the coming year? What do I want to do less of in the coming year? Where do I see God nudging me in the future? I'm still thinking about this idea of an anthem. Anthems are meant to be rousing and, and motivating. They are designed to shape the identity of a people and uplift a group of people. It feels like we are at a point where we need to ask ourselves what our identity will be. Is our anthem, like at the hockey game, throw down and fight? No. The people of God on this day, in this moment, in this time in our world, we have an anthem that goes something like this. My heart shall sing of the day you bring. Let the fires of God's justice burn. Wipe away all tears for the dawn draws near and the world is about to turn. For this good news that sings from our hearts, we say, thanks be to God. Amen.